Hello. Welcome to Simply Write, where writers gather. If you're a writer, you're cordially invited to gather and listen to other writers, some published, some not. We'll discuss techniques, problems, solutions, and sources for help. This podcast will let you know that you are not alone and that writing is everything, whether you want to publish or not. We're here to help you build confidence in yourself and your work. So welcome to Simply Write. Episode 3, Reading Results in Better Writing. You may have heard this before. The more you read, the better writer you'll become. Okay, we've heard it. But what does it mean, and how do I go about reading better? I suppose it's not reading better, but reading critically and with focus. That's more accurate. It's something else to add to your list of things to do. Reading for pleasure is still recommended, but you'll have to detach yourself to pay attention to the subtleties and critique the written word. Reading a great book again is the easiest way to accomplish this. Just as you can't write effectively or efficiently and edit simultaneously, it's difficult to read for pleasure and critique the work concurrently. When you research the benefits of reading to write better, you'll see similar headers in almost every discussion or article. Generally, they deal with 10 areas, and in no particular order, they are 1. Helps to alleviate writer's block. Yes, but writer's block is an instance that occurs periodically, and there are numerous ways to deal with it. Reading is one, but since it does interfere with a writer's ability to produce good work, writer's block will be a detailed subject in a separate episode. Number two, improves your vocabulary. Common sense should tell you that. It's how you go about improving your vocabulary that's key to this benefit. Number three, improves your grammar. Again, a common sense result, but there's a different way that we need to go about getting those results. Number four, improves knowledge of writing structure. I like to refer to this as a gotcha benefit. If you're not looking for it, you can miss this benefit completely, and it's right in front of you for the taking. Number five, it allows you to explore different writing styles. Yes, authors have different styles, and since authors write in genres different from yours, you should read their work and learn from them. Number six, reading helps you develop critical thinking skills. Number seven, it improves memory and cognitive function. Number eight, reading will expand your knowledge of the world. And hopefully number nine, reading will inspire new ideas. And finally, number 10, reading indirectly results in better health, emotional health, as well as physical health. It's important to note that while reading has positive results, the benefits are interrelated. As I cover each in turn, please understand they are, in fact, connected. Number two, reading improves your vocabulary. An immediate benefit of reading is the opportunity to learn new words. New words can help you redefine a character by the words you use. A character may seem haughty 
or arrogant if they speak using a vocabulary overloaded with complex, little-used expressions, or simple if they use basic words repeatedly. A character that misuses words can be considered ignorant or incredibly intelligent if they use them incorrectly but deviously to make a point. Examine word usage when you read with focus and a critical eye. If you encounter a word you don't know, investigate that word. Write it down or store it in a new words and their use folder or notebook. I love my ebook reader in these instances. The ability to press my finger on a word, see the dictionary open, and view the etymology of the word helps me remember that word and its use in a sentence. When you record these words for future use, revisit them, capture synonyms and antonyms, and handwrite several sentences using the word in a different context. Work that word. Reinforce its meaning and application. Be sure to classify your words as high-value or low-value words. I said handwrite a moment ago. I recommend that because handwriting a word and using it in sentences increases your memory retention. If you're old enough, you might remember writing on a blackboard when they were still black instead of green, now white with write-on wipe-off markers. But writing down, I will not talk in class 50 times after school to drive home a point. Well, it worked for me sometimes. And I wasn't the teacher. I define high-value words that, while genuinely unique when encountered, may cause your reader to pause and have to examine that word or look it up. It can slow the reading process and ruin the environment of suspense or disbelief. Using the high-value word in context to support your scene or description can infer meaning and perhaps slow the reader without resulting in an all-stop to check the definition. If the all-stop occurs, you remove your reader from the world you have created for them and drop them back into the reality of their world. That is precisely what you do not want to do, so be careful. Write for your reader to escape from reality not your desire to show everyone that you can be a spectacularly loquacious and prolific bore. Balance that against using repeatedly the same low-value words. Low-value words are those that keep the story moving and are easily understood. That said, there's nothing wrong with driving your readers to the dictionary periodically, but it needs to be seen as their need to improve their vocabulary not to understand what you've written. Prudent and precise use of words marks a writer paying attention to their craft and their readers. Number three, reading improves your grammar. The more you read, the more your grammar will improve. Any deviations from good grammar will become immediately apparent subconsciously. When you write, you will utilize the rules of grammar you're familiar with and apply them accordingly. When you construct more complex sentences, you will need to apply more complex grammatical rules. They will be conscious thought processes instead of subconscious application in a proficient manner. Over time, 
the conscious search and replace grammar corrections will become the subconscious initial application during the first writing. This will reduce the amount of editing later. Grammar rules and their application is part of the editing process. Editing will be another episode in this podcast, and at this point, I would simply recommend one of several grammar checkers that are available. My caution with grammar checking and editing programs is do not turn them on while you are in a creative, flowing mode of writing. Think of writing on paper. You're moving through a thought, an emotion. You're on a roll. Words and thoughts are spilling from you in rapid succession. Your hand is flying across the page, and you're completely in the groove. You're in the zone. You are one with the word. That's a beautiful experience. Now, consider that you've just completed that first line. It's an amazing first sentence of an equally amazing planned first paragraph. Your hand moves across that second sentence, and then suddenly a loud voice behind you says, I think you could rewrite that a bit better. And you have misplaced the comma outside the closing quotes, and you've used single quotes instead of double quotes. That's incorrect. Really? What What the heck? Get out of here. I'm being creative. I'm flowing. Well, I was. That's what a lot of grammar checkers do. You activate them or turn them on, or worse yet, they will start up automatically when you open up a program. And there they are, taking up valuable time and space, typically with a side panel with an ever-growing list of things you've done wrong or could be doing better. (laughs) Turn them off if you're writing electronically. Flow. Write. Develop your thoughts into the written word now. Worry about grammar later. Poor grammar is acceptable when it's one of your characters speaking or thinking. It's not generally acceptable when it's the author committing the grammar crime. And unless you're a famous author or a Nobel laureate like Jose Saramago, stick to the rules that have been established over hundreds of years and that they do change. By the way, Jose Saramago wrote a brilliant book titled Blindness. Grammatically, it's a mess with very little punctuation or quotes. It's initially hard to read, or was for me, but after two or three pages, I was into the book and found the author to be worthy of every accolade he's received. I won't go into it too much, but his character development and use of descriptors is deviously impressive and enjoyable for the reader who has a critical eye for such things. The overall plot is that a sudden affliction results in a town's population going blind. Their world is turned upside down within days. The characters are not named personally, but have titles, such as The Girl with Dark Glasses, The Old Man with the Black Eye Patch, The Boy with the Squint, or The Man with the Gun. The novel was enjoyable, and my personal writing book was filled quickly with words and applications of words. When you've completed writing a chapter or paragraph, or you're going to take a break from writing, go back through it and apply grammar rules. Do a check, a different color if you're on paper, or track changes if you're doing it electronically, 
then run a grammar checker or pull your grammar book off the shelf and go through and see how you did. Make note of grammar mistakes. Seriously, write down what you did and which rule you broke. Then write it correctly. Only by doing this in a focused manner can you learn and improve. Don't let the grammar checker run your editing for you. Improve on your own time. Grammar checkers are fallible and sometimes have idiosyncrasies that will catch you with your pants down. Grammar in the English-speaking world of Europe is not necessarily how we do things in the United States. And if you're using two grammar checkers, know that you can get them to argue with each other. An endless loop of correct, then undo the correction by the other checker, then correct again by the first checker. If you know the rule and the proper application, you will be ahead of the game and understand which application is correct for this particular case. Artificial intelligence and other apps that think are all based on algorithms. An algorithm is nothing more than a written set of instructions to do something. Think of a recipe. That is an algorithm. Period. Ever make something from a recipe and it end up completely wrong because the recipe wasn't exactly right or out of order? Well, the same thing happens in the world of AI and computer applications. Add to that mix that the instruction sets are complex in and of themselves, and when you add if-then criteria to them, well, unless the author of the algorithm understands clearly what they're doing and they've accounted for every possible perturbation of results and if-then scenarios, you're going to have a result that's incorrect. Computers are fast, not smart. Never forget that. They only do as well as the programs tell them to do. Number four, reading improves knowledge of writing structure. Writing structure is everything having to do with the look and feel of the work you are writing, from the order in which you present your characters chronologically, where in the writing they are introduced to the overall structure of the presentation of your entire book a beginning, a middle, an end. How things come together, cause and effect, or is it effect and then reveal the cause? I've read many books with different structures to a point, but most will find what we know to be familiar territory. The weekend beach romance novel, the detective crime novel. If you read four or five of them in a row, you might find yourself bored because you know what's coming in general. Okay, here's the body in the third chapter. I can expect to see the detective begin to round up the usual suspects, but there will be an outlier that will be missed if you don't pay attention to what the author is doing. That is structure. Reading outside your genre will help you discover different writing structures. I clearly recall a structure that was so different, it resulted in me having to read the book twice. I read the book twice to make sure it was correct and well executed. To this day, I remain so stuck by the writing structure that I've forgotten the name of the book and the author. It was a dual-story novel with chronological structures that were reversed. One story started at the end, and the other story started at the beginning. And to top it off, each story was limited to one side of the page. One story took all the odd pages and the other story used the even pages. It was disconcerting at first, 
But as the stories progressed, you began to see the relationship of the characters and could see into the past and future of each. Amazing structure and execution and writing. If anyone knows which work I'm talking about, I'd certainly appreciate an email. And you can get that email from our site, a seat at the table publishing.com. Yes, it's still one word, a seat at the table publishing.com. Beginning writers shouldn't be too adventurous with structure definition, but I will strongly recommend that if you're going to tackle a multi generational novel with flashback or flash forward chapters, that you build a timeline for your work. What is a timeline? It's a plot of the time from the first mention of a date time in your book to the last date time of your book. If you have multiple characters telling their stories over long periods of time, and there are births and deaths, it's critical to know everyone's age and where they fit inside the big picture. A novel that covers 50 years and has births with characters being children, then leaving the scene for 25 years, it should have an appropriate life, career, qualifications, and position in life that's expected of someone 25 years older when they return. This has to make sense. This is the best way to lay out your character's introduction, life events, deaths, births, etc. to make sure you have the correct titles. A grandfather, or are they a great-grandfather, a great-aunt, and their respective ages. This is a part of structuring your story correctly. You'd be surprised how quickly someone can spot a time passage error in a book. And with today's internet review and comment abilities, your faux pas will spread quickly. Reading allows you to explore different writing styles. This can also come under heading of what authors do best, regardless of genre. If you look at science fiction, there are many authors who have won awards in science fiction and their styles are very different. Some are world or galaxy creators like Isaac Asimov and his Foundation Trilogy, while others stick to a particular planet, such as Andy Weir with The Martian. Some authors stick to a primary structure in their work, with little outside of the scientific, while others expand well beyond science and play upon the foibles of mankind, such as Robert Heinlein in A Stranger in a Strange Land. Moving to science fact and supposition of other universes will lead you to Brian Greene and his theories that are supported with excellent dialogue with potential impacts on our understanding of the universe and ourselves. Another different structure to conduct a point with supporting evidence or requirements to move toward a better understanding of our world. A book by Hemingway will lead you to stories told simply, but to great effect and emotion putting you there into the world of the characters. Historical fiction works, such as A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls, is an excellent resource for developing a scene to such great detail that you become intimately familiar with the Metropole Hotel in Moscow, where the protagonist has been placed under house arrest for 30 years. Each author has a style that is recognizable as easily as a singer-songwriter is recognizable when listening to music. Other artists may develop their style based on one or more other artists. Pandora Radio has stations that gather similar music decades, artists, and feel together. 
if you listen to the Leonard Cohen station, you'll hear a brand of music that is similar song after song. Different, but same. Hipster Cocktail Radio will give you a completely different feel. It's the same with books. They're authors and the genres they create in. The more you expose yourself to different styles, the more familiar you will be with them, and the more you can draw from what appeals to you to emulate in your writing. You can become your own writer with a feel of others. This can only lead to a wider appreciation for your work by readers familiar with a wide range of authors and their favorites. Therein lies the suggestion and the warning. Be aware of different styles. Explore them. Use them. But use them to your advantage to create your own vision of yourself as a writer. Reading helps you develop critical thinking skills. You cannot write anything longer than a single word without thinking ahead to what comes next and why. You have to think to do that. If you're going to write several paragraphs, you have to think about the relationship to each other and how well they develop the story you are trying to tell. If you move this to a novel level, you will need to develop a plot line, reader engagement hooks, character development, scene development, subplots, etc. If you're writing a mystery novel, you have to maintain the mystery and provide clues that are relevant or misleading to your protagonist or other characters. It's a web you must weave for all of your stories depending upon your writing structure and methodology of getting from the first sentence of chapter one to the end. The more intricate your story and components you introduce, the more responsibility you assume for the accuracy and relevancy of those components. Every word will have a purpose and you must construct with care and skill the world your reader will be moving through. That takes critical thinking. The ability to understand beforehand why something happens in your story and the symptoms generated by those events. When the story ends, everything must make sense. All the strings you laid out for your reader to follow must come to an understandable and logical conclusion. You must complete a root cause analysis before you put pen to paper. This requires critical thinking skills and they need to be developed as you mature in your storytelling adventure. Reading books in and out of your genre can only help you become a better writer. Reading a book over and over, pulling the plots and subplots, the clues, the lead-ins, the characters out one at a time is an excellent way to discover the writing structure and timing of the author. Being able to understand how the author got to the end with the in-between material is critical to becoming successful yourself. An added benefit is that you'll become more discerning when you listen to news reports on television, watch movies or TV programs. You will find a new level of enjoyment or disappointment with your newfound critical thinking skills. Number seven, improves memory and cognitive skills. At this point, you should be able to understand how using your brain to read critically, intensively, and with an approach different from a casual reader will lead to an improvement in memory and your cognitive skills. Study after study has shown positive results from using your brain. I'm the sort of person that doesn't need a study to show me that what you do not use, you lose. 
physically or mentally. If we don't think and observe and question, we lose the ability to do so. If we don't stimulate our muscles, we grow weaker. If we don't use our minds effectively and exercise them, again, we lose that ability. I was going to cite several medical study results in this episode, but I've decided not to after preparing. If it's not innately understood, citing medical research results won't convince you. The saying, if you don't use it, you lose it, should be enough. Number eight, reading expands your knowledge of the world. If you read stories about other places, whether of this world or not, you will learn of different cultures, different environments, different points of view. Whether fiction or nonfiction, writers will tend to write what they know, where they've been, what they've experienced. Ernest Hemingway is famous for his stories based on his travels and experiences. While perhaps not a writer known for detailed, breathtaking scenery, he can expertly and with great detail discuss the human condition and the struggles of mankind in different locations throughout the world in different situations. From the Spanish Civil War in the mid to late 1930s to an old man alone fighting what may be his last great battle with a swordfish. To understand the views and struggles of mankind is to give us an appreciation for the plight of others and how their culture was shifted. I came across a book series by Khan Egolden, referred to as the Conqueror series. It was the rise of Genghis Khan and his empire, the largest empire in the history of the world. Mr. Egolden brought history and culture together in a masterful series that covered the rise of Genghis Khan and that of his son and grandson. The cultures impacted and the positive effects this empire had in the world, as well as the brutality in which it occurred. There are many such books that bring forth new ways of thinking for us that are everyday life for others. Expanding your knowledge can only help you bring new characters and their cultures into your stories to be woven into a tapestry of more depth and color. 9. It inspires new ideas. When you read, write down the things that make you say, hmm, or wow. If something struck you as memorable, write it down for your research and use it in your writing. New ideas should be coming to you if you're looking at your world differently, and if you're reading with a critical, probing, and interested eye toward improving your writing. Finally, number 10, reading improves your health and general well-being. Reading, whether critical or not, will take you away from whatever is in your life during the time you're reading. Recreational reading is for the most part meditative and allows you to escape from your world and into the world of another. Unless it's an action-packed, tense, and horrific story, you should feel better after you read. Critical reading, looking for clues to becoming a better reader, will have all of the previous mentioned benefits and make you feel better about yourself. Writing is not about having a best-selling novel. That's merely a perk to working toward a goal. Writing is about expressing yourself to a level of self-satisfaction, knowing you've translated your thoughts, feelings, or have created a world with people, places, and things that come alive when you read it. You become an integral part of the story. You're not only the writer, but the conductor 
and a participant in your work. You can lose yourself in the work, and to make you feel even better, you can open doors for others. Those that decide to read your work may be transported into the world that you created. They will meet and come to know your characters, and your work will result in changes in the reader, temporarily as they laugh or cry, perhaps permanently as they are changed and charged to take an action, or tell the stories to others, realign themselves with friends of family members long lost or ignored. How can you not feel good about other people reading your work and being changed for the better? In conclusion, to improve your writing, read. Read with purpose, and then write. Write with purpose. But no matter how much you read or write, remember to simply write, for it all begins there. That concludes today's episode, and I hope you learned something that may help you become a more confident and better writer. Remember, you can contact me, Jeff Warnock, at a seat at the table publishing.com. <laughs> yes, it's still all one word. Again, contact me at a seat at the table publishing.com. I will reply to you. Until next time, simply write.